All right, and welcome to the Play Big Podcast, where we're talking with people who play big in life and in business and in money. And I'm excited to have Tamara Andres here with me today, a international speaker, a multiple best-selling author of multiple books. It was a five or six best-selling yeah, books six this, six this week. Congratulations. <laughs> um, number one top podcaster in the world, one of the top 10, top 1% of all podcasters in the world, and an entrepreneur, a wife, a mother, and uh, I'm excited to, ha to have you here, but who is Tamara? Tell us a little about who Tamara is. Honestly, even as you were saying play big, I'm like, oh man, like, because I could, expansion is really something I'm passionate about. And so I'm excited to be able to share that even with people today is that we often get stuck in our own head of like thinking too small. And I was living a life where I was actually kind of the audience of one, which we might hear associated to our faith now. But I was really just in a space of being stuck in my life. And I felt like everything that I was doing was in selfish intent. And yet I said, I was 29. So I say that I had a quarter life crisis and I hopefully don't have a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was really looking to self as um, the way in which I would show up to, to everything. And it was the American dream that I knew that I needed to quit. And yet it had been so conceptualized in my life that I needed, I needed a breath and if we think about breath and who that is and how that is connected to our expansion, it's, it's living in the present moment and not after going after anything outside of what our intentional purpose of life is. So when someone asks me who I am now and I think about expansion, I think about play. I, wow. think about, um, I think about just being excited for life and really living in joy. And what does that look like associated to playing big is like really, I think, letting go of our own inhibitions and starting to risk bigger connected to creative experiences. And when, when did, at age 29, so what, what yeah. was happening Gosh. around your, your life at that moment in time when, you know, this realization came to you. Yeah. So I was playing in big to the context of what the world and culture expects us to play big in. So I had already at this point, I was 29, had nine different businesses that I'd cultivated at that point in my life, two of which were taking all of my time. I was working about 70 hours a week. And even when I wasn't working, I had my phone right next to me and the dollar signs were dinging. And I was really zoned in on success instead of sustenance. And that too wasn't even a wherewithal. I had no idea. If you think about um, the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, mm -hmm. um, where he like can't yeah. get the mask off. I, I was that person wearing this mask and I had no idea that I had suppressed so much of childhood trauma, so much of expectation of myself, expectation of what other people had blanketed on me. And in those, those entrepreneurial endeavors, I also had two kids under the age of two mm -hmm. and had been married at that point for about four years together for about seven and I was coming home completely void and just hungry for something and had no idea of what that meant this particular day where everything kind of shifted in my life was I pulled in and I had just finished nursing my daughter about after nine months and she was already waddling because she had a big brother to chase after <laughs> and I couldn't wait to pick her up and my husband was outside talking to the neighbor. We had like the white picket fence. We were the youngest in the neighborhood. We literally were called Barbie and Ken and we took like pride in that like role uh, and when I got out of the car, my daughter looked at me and instead of coming to me, she turned around and walked towards my husband. Wow. 
And I had a choice in that moment, right? I could have chased after her and like made it into a game. Um, but instead, I just grabbed my stuff and I went inside. And I remember feeling that essence of void for the first time that like, wait, this isn't the life that I want to live. And I called it a tombstone moment because I remember literally seeing a tombstone and being like, I at this point, if I died today, my tombstone might say entrepreneur but nobody's tombstone says entrepreneur. Right. And so if it was going to say what it was going to say, probably then too, they would have, would have put child of God, but that wouldn't have been true. They would have put wife, but I wasn't a good one. And they would have put mom and I wasn't really present. And so I, I just really had this massive check in my ego, in my spirit and in my marriage where I wanted to lay it all down mm. and I could either be divorced and not with my kiddos. And I'll, this happens to a lot of homes and finances is often one of the number one reasons that marriages fail. And I didn't want that to be the reason and to know that I was acting out of flesh and not out of spirit. I I refuse to do it anymore. And ultimately the biggest word, and this was something my husband was speaking into me, and this is something I hope that people are listening, take it for themselves. If you see someone who's walking around in this way, or maybe even you are that person in the mirror, is ask yourself, where's your integrity? Hmm. And he kept saying, you're such a woman of integrity. I'm so grateful you have intact integrity. And he would say that before I'd leave the house. And I was in such a zombie mentality. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I totally <laughs> wrote it off. And it wasn't until weeks later where I realized after a supernatural encounter with the Lord that I was walking outside of integrity and I didn't even know what the definition of integrity was. Hmm. Who teaches integrity. Right. How do you get equipped in integrity when you're little? And so that's something since then, my husband and I have been very intentional with our own kids and just walking out a life of integrity. And I said play before and play and integrity don't necessarily go together, mm. but I think that they do. And we're called into childlike faith. And so to not take ourselves so seriously um, and to get into the messy paint and color outside the lines and yet do so under integrity allows your life to have a totally different canvas than what the world is teaching these days. Uh, uh, it's, it's amazing. Number number one, uh, what, I'm, what I'm interested in, I mean, you used a lot of great yeah. words in like... Uh, <laughs> You painted a very, very, very vivid picture, yeah. and um, your uh, ability to uh, recognize a, a moment in time, mm. uh, and then and then do something about it. Um, can you can you walk through like because sometimes things can happen in an instant, but sometimes yeah. things take time uh, to germinate and yes. you know come to come to fruition. Can you can you explain a little bit what that from seeing a tombstone? Realize, having a, a radically real realization, have a ra radically real encounter with the Lord, uh, and then choosing, making a decision to do something uh, and to walk in integrity or, or walk in faith or walk in an abiding nature towards something. What, what, was that, what was that initial process like for you and what was happening inside of you when, mm -hmm. when that started? It's interesting, and I don't know if you have a similar uh, connection point to your own life, but I find that things often happen in the natural before they happen in the supernatural. Oh. And a year prior to this scenario happening, we had broken down all the walls in our house. 
and done a total remodel. We have that open floor concept. It was a 80s home. You know, it just now is wide open. And I remember when I went to go decorate again, I had zero walls to put anything on. I couldn't put my little knickknacks that I had accumulated Mm. over the years, any corner cat, like cubby, it wasn't there. And I remember realizing that I was constantly seen. There was no space in the corners to kind of like have a little barricade, have a little silence, even from my kiddos who were, you know, racing mm-hmm. around on their little things. There was the the playroom was the whole room. Wow. <laughs> and in that that fast forward year, when I looked back on it, that's exactly what I had to do with my husband. That's exactly what I had to do. Let's even like put my hubby to the side, myself. Hmm. I had never been alone with myself with no walls. And in my adult self, I should say, in the maturity of myself. And so I went on a self-exploration journey. And I know you're huge into like the personal development mm-hmm. world and, and understanding like the power of mental health. That was the first time I ever went to therapist. And we were going twice a week, every week, one by myself, one with my spouse. I had never done work mm-hmm. like that before. I also was a personal trainer and nutritionist back in my early 20s gymnast for 16 years. So that competitive nature mm-hmm. was inside of me. And I remember not being able to brush my teeth in the mirror for about 30 days. Wow! I couldn't look at myself. I felt completely lethargic, apathetic, um, almost disgusted truly like with myself and with the life that I had created. I still brush my teeth people. So <laughs> don't go there. I love my teeth. Um, but I would brush my teeth and I would just remember feeling like so like downcast about who I was physically who I was emotionally was something I was breaking down all of the walls, who I was relationally. I had no sense of intimacy with myself or with anyone I was connected to. I literally just felt like a ghost. I felt like I was just existing. And so when I went through the mental health development and doing that, I did that for three years. I also started reading um, personal development books that I had never read before. Um, And in that encounter with the Lord that I mentioned earlier, I went on a radical three-year investigation on who is God. And through that exploration, I found out who I was. Because when you know who your maker is, you know that you're an essence of said maker. And I was not raised in a broken home by any means, but my parents didn't have their own wherewithal of their identity. Mental health wasn't a conversation. It was sweep it under the rug, Mm -hmm. right? The elephant's in the room and everyone knows it, but we just keep it over there. And so eventually I had taken down all the walls of myself and I was completely wide open uh, with everything that I was learning, even with friends and family. And it was really uncomfortable for people. And it still is, honestly. <laughs> but in that journey, I realized that there's power in that vulnerability. And we hear people speak about authenticity and vulnerability so easily now. But are they doing it with no walls? <laughs> Have they taken off their mask fully and found out that mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically, We don't exist in chasms. We don't exist in cyclones. All of those things are meant to be integrated. And so that three-year exploration was a a time of disintegration so that I could abide and be integrated with my creator. Um, You do do a lot of work with a lot of people. Uh, You teach, you educate, you empower. Uh, Going through through that yourself and... um, being open to having no walls physically in a home and physically with you and invisibly with with you. Uh, Most people would be afraid 
of of being found out mm. or afraid of of something was there any fear what what do you think stops most people from once they realize what the issue is to then actually go and do something about it what, what how did you work through any fear or anxiety or doubt that you had that clearly now has flipped to joy and yeah. fulfillment yeah. Uh, and knowing who you are and whose you are. It's a great question and something that is constantly brought up. Like even when people ask specific questions like this, I can feel that like nature mm. where I want to go back to that corner because it's easier for us to do that. And I've found that my best seasons of life have been when I'm growing, not when I'm stagnant and not when I'm scared. And so this is something I see as a commonplace is the, it's an element of shame. That's what it is. It's like um, you aren't good enough and you are trying to cover yourself up to become something else. And I ended up writing a book and I told my brother this literally just last night because he was talking about a past trial and a past mistake and how is he going to present that to these new employers and I, he ended up walking in integrity. I was so proud of him and making a really hard decision to share. And when we share and we get seen by other people, we often think that there's going to be a backlash of negativity or that they're going to judge us or that they're going to, um, you know, let's, you could think of a thousand other ideas mm -hmm. of what could potentially go wrong. And I chose to do it opposite. What if I shared my story? What if that story unlocked other people? What if if it sat if my shame sits on a shelf rather than sits inside of my gut or on my shoulder or in my mind? What would that do from an empowerment perspective for other people and on most of all, most importantly, for me and my family? And so now if anyone ever like that comes to be, I'm like, oh, you can just read it. It's all right there, people. So I love storytelling and I love people to go down that journey for themselves. It took me three years to write that book. And now I can bust out a book in a weekend right. because the shame has been unlocked and no one can hold that over me. And I, I really hope that as people get inside of my community and I get to meet new people and I don't even care if it's a DM when someone sends me something raw and real, I first off just want to pray over them so that they can find immediate freedom and release and to know that they're not alone. But ultimately, I want to encourage them to just go deeper <laughs> because you've heard a lot about limiting beliefs, right? Yes. This is common mm -hmm. thread. I, I had this revelation even just this summer that limiting beliefs are actually still surface level. And that there is a root connected to every limiting belief. And I think it's sin. And I think people are shameful because they're walking in sin and they project it as a limiting belief because the personal development world has said, oh, that's okay that you have fear of success. That's okay that you have fear of failure. That's mm -hmm. okay that you think that you're unworthy or that's okay. You know, we've, mm -hmm. we've blanketed it as, as blanket statements that are okay. And ultimately I was walking in sin. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how do I bear all and be okay with being corrected and that's also something I think people are terrible at. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, along that path as you're going through that, I mean, yeah, getting down to the roots and really really yeah. dig digging into what, what's really down there. Um, you said that you went on this three-year mm -hmm. um, basically exploration or, you know, inquisitive yeah. search um, about who God is. What did you, what did you realize or, or what, who did you, who is God to you? Mm. 
Wow, that's a deep question. The The first year, the way in which I did that was I got enrolled in a school called Burn 24-7. And it's a worship school. You might know Let Us Worship Movement with Sean Foyt. Um, some incredible teachers. Sean Boltz is a part of it. And I, it was the first time I ever felt called. Have you, you know that feeling where yes. you're like, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. I have zero idea why. I just have to do it. And um, I did it through a Pentecostal church. And so I went to like normal, I, I call it white people church, and I don't mean it <laughs> ethnically, but people know what white people church is, okay? You open a hymnal, no one raises their hands, no one's dancing to the music, everyone is smiling, yep. and they just got in a fight in the car before right. they got there, and they actually hate their life, but they're coming to check a box, okay? That was my version of church <laughs> growing up, um, and we were priesters, so we went to church on Christmas and Easter, <laughs> and that was pretty much it, okay? So I didn't There's have... A lot of priesters <laughs> in the world. <laughs> totally. I just didn't have debt. And so when I I first went, me and my husband, when we were in this chasm, this place, um, we called 11 churches that were in our vicinity. And we ended up going to this church that was 35 minutes away, and we knew no one. And when I walked into this Pentecostal church, I had like 20 aunties immediately who just like barricaded me in their chest. They didn't care who I was. They didn't care where I came from. They didn't care that I was a priester. They didn't care that I was walking in sin. They just loved me. So I encourage people, one, to go to churches outside of their local community um, for that reason. And then I also encourage people to sit in those places and see where you're called, because you'll be called in a different way in a different spectrum than you ever had been. One of the ways that I was called was into this worship school. I am not a musician. And, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to, like, limit God. God, I'm a musician, okay? I will play <laughs> well, I, the ukulele love, when I'm in heaven. <laughs> I love I love music. I love <laughs> live do. music, but I know I'm musically uninclined. There you go. Yes. There you go. I'm not a singer. <laughs> so I get inside of there's hundreds of people in this school, and I, they're all, like, telling in their bio statement, like you kind of read off mine, I am a worship leader at such and such, such and such. I was like, oh, I just became a Christian, I think, and I don't play any in instrument and I don't sing. And everyone was so perplexed by that. But I found in that year alone, so much about God is who we think we're not, um, because it's actually exactly who we are. Mm. And so what I mean by that, without it sounding wildly poetic, is that I didn't think I was a worshiper and I found out that I was a worshiper, that God made us to worship and that my essence of worship is different than what their essence of worship was. But I am a poet, I'm a songwriter, I'm a dancer, and that honors God just as much as the frontline mic and musician does, right? Mm-hmm. The next two years, I went through an ordination and leadership program, and that was at my church. And I just found out the concepts of like the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. I had no idea about the demonic realm, no idea about. I realized that God is, was, and is to come. And that it has changed my life because it's changed what I said connected to play. It's changed my present moment. I am not striving to be somewhere or to get access into heaven. Like I can have that communion right now. And I, I hope that other people who are listening like explore because God wants us to seek mm. and we will find. And so, and uh, how, how did, how did you take that? Mm. Uh, and yeah, you know, like the past of what you were doing uh, and how you were building businesses then yeah, to then going through this transformative process and uh, re-identifying who you really are and where you really belong and who you who and what God created you to be uh, how did that then 
what happened to the businesses yeah, over yeah. here? And then what happened to one, yeah. two, three years later? And then we'll get to where you are now. But what, what I'm interested in what yeah, happened with the businesses, the crazy. nine businesses, yeah. the two. So the two that were actually successful, I ended up selling one of them to my mom, who has since sold and done her own thing. Okay. Uh, the other one I let go of. I literally released. It was a nine-figure contract. I was I took an, the Australian nursing bra. That was the number one nursing bra there. And I brought it to the American market. Wow. And we brought it to the English and uh, um, the Canadian markets. And so I redesigned it. Mm. And then we brought that out. Um, still like so passionate about product development and businesses. And I remember about two years into this time frame, and I also understand as people are thinking about this and I quit those businesses, I, it sounds like I just like took a hiatus on life. Yeah. And I actually did, um, I, except for I became a stay-at-home mom, which is the hardest job anyone could ever yes. have. I, I felt like I lost my identity already. And then I was like, what? I'm supposed to do this every day? <laughs> I'm like a great craftsperson. I'm awesome at Pinterest. I love doing all the things, but it just wasn't for me. So I did still, even in the, the exploration of God, I still felt that void. And I remember two years in and we're sitting out back and my husband, like, he's cool as a cucumber. I can't wait for you to meet him. He's like always barefoot. He just has this like peace about him, such a good listener. And he's just like cattily, like just sits back and he's like, hey, babe, what are you passionate about? Hmm. And I had nothing to say. And his eyes kind of got big and he's like, we just spent our life savings you're not passionate about all that <laughs> stuff. And I just, I just was silent. I said, I don't think so. He said, okay, like who did I marry? Mm -hmm. what, am I, what are we going to do now? <laughs> what are we doing next? I couldn't place in the midst of all of that, a job title to myself. Mm. I couldn't place uh, like a uh, networking, shake my hand. This is who I want to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't have dreams in that moment. I was just really trying to be present. And so when he said, what are you passionate about? I processed it for a minute. And I said, you know, I think at the end of the day, I'm just really passionate about people. I just love people. I love to encourage people. I love to see them activated. I love to see them not in this place of a rat race and a rat wheel and just really having those light bulbs go off to say, like, I am made for this. I am made for more. And so uh, about that time, I was starting to take girlfriends uh, out to eat. I was finally able to, like, be out in public normally. I literally felt like a... Um, I just had a lot of dissection that had to happen. And so there was a lot of internalization. And once you do that work, you can effectively go out and right. be with people wholesomely and with that sense of integrity I mentioned. So I was going to lunch with people. I was going to coffee dates with people. And this one particular girl, I was I was just extracting. I love to just like pull out of people. Like, tell me more. What, mm -hmm. what else aren't you doing? What else do you want to do? Where are you feeling complacent in your life right now? And she's like, Tamara, you should do this. And I'm like, do what? This, what, what am I going to do? And she's like, you should be a coach. And I had zero idea about the coaching industry. Mm -hmm. No idea. Even the therapy realm I just mentioned to you, I knew nothing about it. So even though I read self-help books, I didn't know that that was a thing. And so I said, huh, that would be really fun. So I did something within about a month time frame because I am an activator. Mm. I'm like, give me an idea. Let's go. Let's let's massage it. Let's play with it. It might not always work. Obviously, if I started that many businesses, you know that I'm just yes. willing to like put the work in. And so I gathered about 31 women. I sent them text messages on the new year of 2019. Mm. And I brought all of them into my husband's office and I, I gave them, I love surprises. I pretty much just said, be there or be square, right? <laughs> like we're no longer friends if you can't be in this room. I see something great in you and I want to share a new opportunity. Wow. 
And the very first thing that I did was open Proverbs 31. And we read about the Proverbs 31 woman. And I, I asked everyone, do you feel like this woman? Or do you want to be this woman? And everyone raised their hands. And I said, I knew that was the case. I already recognized this inside of you. And I want to invite you on an adventure to extract those pieces of who you are and build them into a business. And in at the time, other than network marketers or DLM, MLMs, direct level marketing, there was no entrepreneurs in the room. I just knew that they had entrepreneurial qualities. And so for the next two and a half years, we met twice a month and we started building businesses. In 2020, these new like stay-at-home moms, side hustles, whatever you want to call it, we had to we had earned over a quarter million dollars in wow. four months in COVID, which for us, that's like yes. that was a wild yeah, moment. And so I just kept saying yes. I started building a podcast from there. I started writing my book at that point. The membership took off and the individual coaching sessions took off. And I realized like this is what I made for mm. and I, how it develops. It's been crazy. There's been a publishing house that started since then. I run retreats and conferences. I started a nonprofit since then. And I just I just take it and I just say, hey, what can we do today? How can we make it fun? Right. And that's the biggest thing is that business building. It's so in school and business school so like serious and the business plans were huge and now I'm just like let's go you got an idea let's build it and um, there's a lot of strategy and systems and things that go into that that I geek out on as well but overall it's about the person it always goes back to the person what is uh, what is uh, Proverbs 31 Mm. woman Gosh, she wakes I'm up. Masking as a man. Yeah, is, she wakes up before her home. <laughs> she this is like literally the, her day. Like she wakes up before her home. She is making and creating and using her hands. She has multiple streams of revenue. She plays in real estate. She plays in the marketplace. She um, exists and takes care of like making clothes for her kids, making food for her home. She sends her husband out um, for his own work day. And so basically it's like the best mom, wife, entrepreneur blended into one and it's right in the Bible. And so I think a lot of moms, especially stay-at-home moms, they feel like ill-equipped to do more or they feel like I can't possibly do something else. And it just gives us a, a freedom pass to say whatever you're passionate about, you're capable of. And how, how did you how did you find that seed inside inside the Bible? Oh man, there well, there's a Proverbs 31 Ministries uh, nonprofit that I started following during that time, and she's a multiple best-selling author as well. She really just equips women to stand in purpose and to study the study the Word. Um, that was the first time in my life I had ever actually read the Bible, like the way that I was reading mm. it now for that that essence of fruit rather than just a checkbox. Um, and I, I want to live my life like that. Like I, I now, every time I read the word, I want to extrapolate, how can I put that into my life? I want to live in a spirit of conviction. We talked about King Solomon before we got on Mm -hmm. here today. I'm like, what can I learn from King Solomon that I can apply to my life? It's Joseph. It's Job. I felt like Job during that season. There's like family warfare that was happening. I had to learn about boundaries and I had to learn about getting into the gym again with a whole new body image after having the revelation during that time. For those of you who are like, what happened? There had to be more than just she decided to quit her job. I realized that I had suppressed unconsciously a sexual trauma that happened when I was three. Mm -hmm. 
And that played out in my life in so much chaos. And alongside what the world was presenting on that time was pornography and sexualization of women and magazines and MTV music videos and um, AOL and chat rooms and cybersex and all these things. And so I had to redevelop myself as a woman. So when I think of the Proverbs 31 woman, I think about that woman of integrity. And I think that she is clothed in dignity and strength and she laughs without fear of the future. That's Proverbs 31, 25. That's amazing. Yeah. How do you how do you uh, infuse that into uh, business and in, in the way that you are? So it's you know you know so oftentimes people have a very difficult time. Sometimes like my faith is over here, oh, yeah. my my business is over here. Yeah. Yes, I'm little I'm the little box checker on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. You know I sing the songs, I say the prayers, I go and I get my hour of feeling good. Yeah. And then the next day, Monday, I go back into the grind of, of the workplace or I do things. And the identity that I may feel on the weekend may be different than the identity I feel as soon as I go into work. How, how, have, you, how have you been able to uh, understand who God is, understand who the Lord is, understand who you are inside of that and bring that into business? Yeah, it's so good. I take it under the play of fashion because I love fashion. I, I just launched a hat line recently. Really? And it's uh, it's that we don't actually wear multiple hats. Like right now, you're not wearing more than one hat. And you might feel that way sometimes, but that is the element of disintegration. That tells me that a part of you is showing up as a father. Another part of you is showing up as a spouse. Another part of you is showing up as a business person. What if you wore one hat because God is present with us as God, the entirety of God at one given time? He doesn't segment himself. He is both awe and wonder. He is both fear and strength as much as he is calm and compassion. And so if we show up in that entirety, that totality of self, we become so powerful. We show up in all of our authority. There's a presence that is known when you're in the room. But if I show up in my marriage differently than I show up on stage, what does that say about my integrity? And so the people who are struggling because they feel like they can't put their faith in their business because there's a separation of church and state, right? Or my, my, my arena, my office places, and my corporate arena is so I cannot talk about faith. You don't have to talk about faith to be about faith. Mm. And so that is this, this, this diagram that the Lord gave me is being brand and then business. And a lot of us go after business first because we're looking to finances. We're looking to fame. Um, we go after brand next because we're looking about image and, and we're trying to create what we think the world wants us to be. And then we kind of just put being to the side. Like we'll do that in our at church, right? Mm-hmm. Like God will see me then. That's good. I check my box. But what if you shifted it? What if identity and being and the essence of who you are came first and that took you into the building of your brand so that people are like, whoa, when I see all those colors that Tamara has, it evokes interest, it evokes emotion, and that emotion is joy, that emotion is fun, that emotion is play, and then we build businesses out of that place. (laughs) So then people are attracted without you having to formulate an attraction system. (laughs) They're just curious. And so that's really what I tell people now is like, be about your faith. Stop trying to like wear a cross and think that that's the only thing that you can do in this setting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like just be love and see how people respond to you. That's amazing. And what what have you realized um, as you've, as you do that, as yeah. you uh, walk in that uh, with your being or who you are and you walk into business, you walk into 
writing, you walk into speaking, you walk into interviewing, we're pulling things out of people, you walk into sharing on a stage. Uh, what what have you realized or what what has happened that maybe you didn't expect to happen? Because um, obviously you have some idea of what you want to have happen, but what, yeah. what has happened along the way when you're walking in this faith, you're walking in your true identity, you're not hiding from anything, you're just being who you are already predestined to be anyways. Yeah. And what has happened that maybe you didn't expect to happen along along this path? Hmm. I'd say I sleep really, really good. <laughs> I think that that's probably an unexpected answer, but I think there is, I live every day completely full out with an expectation that God's going to show up. Mm. And and it's through me sometimes, and sometimes it's through other people or through moments. I like to call them God winks. And so we're like, are we are we looking for the God winks in our life? A lot of people will call them coincidences or, um, oh, I was surprised by such and such. But whether good or bad, I think that the winking from heaven is that he, he is present and we are present in that moment because I caught it. Mm. But when I was living so supersonic, I was sleeping terribly because I was out of integrity. I was not healthy physically in the way that I needed to be. My mind was a battlefield every single minute of every single day. And I don't I don't say all of that to say I'm in perfect place. Uh, the Literally, the words to my book is always becoming. Hmm. Every day we have an opportunity to become who Christ intends for us to be. And we get to do that by being present. And so I found the scripture that says uh, that you are the head and not the tail to be one of the most important things that I remain in alignment over. Because even when I go into the social media world, let's say I'm going to make a video on social media, for a long time I struggled with, do I talk about my faith? Am I a Christian business coach? I mean, I had people in my masterminds were like, don't say that. Because immediately they're going to think, what kind of Christian are mm -hmm. you? Is she a Bible thumper? Is she a right. Pentecostal? Is she Baptist? Like, I don't know. I don't even follow denominations. Right. I don't think about those things. I'm a Jesus follower. But I think now after doing it over and over and over again and becoming comfortable in that place, it's the number one reason people come to me. They're like, I love how you display your faith so openly. And if more people did that, the ultimate essence is love because that's who we're created to be. The world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the the point is to be the example for other people to get curious enough to find out how to love themselves so that they can love other people. Yeah. Um, we, we talk about business being an act of service for other people. We start we should be starting businesses for other people. If you're out of alignment there, we that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> um, but when I show up fully in that space of how am I going to love today, some days I am emboldened by that. Some days it feels like the weight of the world is on my shoulders mm. and I feel tired and I feel weary and I feel downcast and I feel sad because you, when you walk in love, have a new lens for empathy and compassion. And because I walked through what I did and I had to break down those walls there were moments when those walls were broken down where I was in a construction zone that looked like chaos. And I see that so quickly in people now mm -hmm. that I can go into new arenas with people, secular or not. Mm -hmm. I, I go and I get to teach a lot of different people is I my one goal, my only goal is for them to leave loved. Mm -hmm. And so it's simple and yet it, it's complicated because the emotional roller coaster that ties in 
to being someone in faith of faith, walking by faith every day is real. It's not, there's a steadfast love, but that doesn't mean that our emotions aren't constantly at play by an enemy tactic and also our desire to just lay it all down and be surrendered. Living a life surrendered is really living a life of love. I mean, there, there's so much what you just uh, laid down right there that um, it, that was uh, very, very, very well articulated and very, very real. And there's a couple things I want to ask you about as you're as you're walking through that, because I think it was just um, extremely uh, enlightening what you're talking about. Number number one, you used the word compassion. Mm. Uh, you used a word like weary and a burden. Uh, you rest well. But there's also but there's also weariness in it. Um, how do you? Some people struggle with rest, mm. you know, especially if you're a hard charging person or you want to go get things done or you're like, uh, yeah. I want to build a business. I I found myself. I found my identity. I want to go do something. How do you make it okay to be in be in rest, mm. even though you have dreams and aspirations? You have yeah. a destiny that you're chasing asked after number one. And then I want to ask you about compassion after that. Yeah. So this, I get this a lot and I'm sure you do too, is like about your pace or your speed or your adrenal glands or your burnout factor or all of these pieces. Um, rest is an active word and people hmm. assume that rest is stillness and stillness is also an active word to be still hmm is a state of being. It's what my soul is doing. I could be running a marathon and still be resting. That's wild. And that is not what people assume. Mm. And so that's really what I want people to unlock in that, in that is that you, you have to still move. God never says, like, sit there and don't move and consume my word. He, there might be moments where I'm in my Bible chair and I'm like, this is good, mm-hmm. this is great. But immediately upon that, I am activating the word. And so that be still and to rest is active. And that is something that Christians, and I say this lightly, little c Christians, um, can be complacent in. And because they're like, oh, I'm just going to pray about it. One day I'll jump into that dream. One day I'll step out of the boat. But right now I'm just just going to be still and wait on God. Okay, waiting is still active. Mm. When you're waiting on something, it's to wait. It's in a verb. It's an action word. Mm-hmm. And so how are you waiting? Because if you're waiting well, in my opinion, you are, you're doing something with that. You're starting something. Nothing will come from nothing. Something will always come from something. Mm-hmm. And whether it's exactly what the Lord had you intended to do or not, you're learning in the process, and that's where God shows up mm. is in the learning process. You're, you're using uh, nouns and verbs, and I was a, <laughs> I was a, I was a horrible English, <laughs> I was a horrible English uh, student. Yes. Uh, but I love to read now, which I didn't yeah. love to read in, in school. But someone did make it uh, make me aware. That's why I was asking about the word compassion. That there's yeah. two ways to live out the word compassion. One is as a noun, which means you're aware of something, but it doesn't compel you to do anything about it. I'm aware that there's hunger. I'm aware so that there's good. poverty. I'm aware that there's things out there, but it doesn't compel me to do anything. Mm-hmm. Versus compassion as a verb, which is what how you were explaining it before, and even then, you know, rest as being active, yeah. being still as active. Uh, how do you live out the word compassion as a verb, which means it compels you to get into uh, movement that compels yeah. you to do something. How does compassion sit with you? Yeah. The, my grandpa passed away earlier this year at 94 and, uh, he was not a believer and he was 
an avid reader. I mean, he just had books around him all the time. And I wanted to ask him like all the final questions, right? And my kiddos were around, so I couldn't go into some of the history questions I could have asked or whatever. But one of the questions we asked was um, if, if you could essentially give anybody the key to life, like what do you believe is the key to living a life well? And he thought for a minute, and he was also a man of many words. Like he did the crossword puzzle and finished mm. it every single day in the newspaper. Wow. Brilliant. He said compassion, and it shocked me. <laughs> and I thought, wow, Grandpa, that was like the last thing, because he was a whippersnapper. Yeah. Compassion was not a word <laughs> I would use to describe him. And then I thought about his life in an entirely new context mm. after he told me that. And I thought... He really does have so much compassion for people. Six kids, 30-plus grandchildren, 40 total with great-grandchildren. Wow. I mean, just like he lived a life of compassion. And when I think about it connected to propel into action and it being that action word, it really is – it's the spark inside of you. There, There is a difference in being aware of something, and then there's a difference in it sparking and ignite inside of you. I am aware of a lot of things that I was not sparked to take action over. Um, but if you have any sort of ignite and you don't take action, then you feel guilt and regret. And that's when you're out of integrity. Mm. And that's when you don't rest well because you know that there's something that's been left unfinished. Mm. And so if compassion is the true key to life, as Grandpa says, mm -hmm. then I think we need to do more about the things that ignite us than less. Mm. And so that's why I'm so passionate. People uh, have called me a purpose activator. And mm. that's because I don't let you sit on your dream. I'm not gonna let people do it. I, I refuse to live my life and let people sit on their dream. That's amazing. What, what, are, you, what are you most excited about right now and in, in what you're doing with people igniting people and yeah uh, gosh i think storytelling yeah. um in a whole nother lens uh we have a publishing house and so like i said when i was able to put that book on a shelf uh it freed me it freed me so much and it's also freed so many people alongside me and so i want other people to be freed by writing their story but i also know that it's going to have a ripple effect to free others so i would say writing books and getting their message out to the masses and, and what what do you what do you love about that process when you it's a lot of people will be like i just want to write my story yeah i just want to figure my story out get, get mine right yeah um what, what what do you enjoy or what gives you joy about uh, allowing, giving other people permission to share their story. I think it goes back to that mental health journey that mm. I went on was that I actually got to have a breath and a beat to extrapolate what is my reason for being. Have you ever heard of the word ikigai? No. Okay, this is a Japanese word mm. called reason for being. Mm -mm. And you know about blue zones? Yes. Okay, so it, this is one of the blue zones where they explored in the blue zone of the healthiness factor and the longevity. Mm. People are living on average 120 years old. Like why in this place in Japan are they living this long? This is Okinawa. And they said it's our icky guy. We know our icky guy. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm probably saying it is wrong. Is he an icky guy? An icky guy. And it's not an icky guy because that would be a shame <laughs> if that's why they live to the 120. So they, it's called the reason for being, which means it's their purpose. And it's actually like a four-pronged Venn diagram that tells you that you understand what you love, what you're passionate about, what the world needs and and where you can make money. 
And so you bring all of those places together and you find out your purpose. And that is your reason for being. And so these people have unlocked that place. And so when I think about that for people here in America, mm -hmm. I'm like, what is your icky guy? Like, what is the thing that you can, you're passionate about, you love, other people the world needs because that's the service element and that you can monetize so that you can live a life life of fruit mm -hmm. and fruit isn't just money but it is one essence of you being able to propel the kingdom ultimately in in, in that process there's um you know someone's trying to pursue something yeah. they, ha they have a passion some people have a hard time trying to figure out what their passion is um or they feel like they have a purpose yeah Obviously, then struggle comes and, you know, all the doubt or fear or worry and anxiety comes in. Uh, but helping other people uh, and allowing that to become the seed that goes mm -hmm. out in, into the world. And what 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 do you think uh, allows some people to do it what appears effortlessly mm -hmm. sometimes versus other people that appears that it's always a struggle. Yeah. It's because they're not really in their purpose or their passion or is it what what is your experience in Yeah. Recently with I was in a conversation with someone and I, I told him I'm like, Wow, you just slapped me in my face and my husband's not gonna come kill you <laughs> because it literally felt it was just a brother who was just like boom, I got to tell you hmm. something. And I said something just super loosely out of my mouth. And I think this is where it starts. Hmm. You talked about planting seeds. Our words have matter. They have, they have, they're taking up airspace hmm. as we are reverberating energy into the world by our words. And oftentimes we are speaking negatively and we sometimes don't even know it because it's so habitual and it's also projected on us all mm -hmm. the time. This fear that you're speaking of, this lack of action mentality, um, the worry element, the rejection, all of these things have been spoken over us since we were little. And therefore we have, like a sponge, we've mm -hmm. equipped ourselves under this lack mentality and or it's now become a part of our routine language. So I said something about money and bringing something to fruition. It was in context to the conference that we're about to put together. And he stopped me right there. He said, do I have permission to tell you something? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I'm gonna, I hope that the listeners, I have permission to tell you because you're listening to this on your own accord, so no offense taken. But if your emotion is a negative emotion, you have bowed to a false idol. And I thought, whoa. He said, your emotion is telling me that you are bowed to uh, basically the devil, wow. the enemy. And I thought, like, punch in the gut, yeah. sword to the spirit. Like, what? And he was totally <laughs> right. Because essentially it had gotten in my mind that I wasn't able and that this was a lack mentality. <laughs> this is the poverty mentality that the church mm -hmm. has. And so when I now have any thought pattern, I think, who am I bowing to? Because mm. you only can bow to one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. I cannot bow here right. and bow here. Right. And it, I'll never, I was forever changed. I was wow. just last week. And I, I, every time I have an emotion, I go, who am I bowing to? Wow. And it's just a gut check. Mm. So moving forward for the people who are like, what, var what variability? Mm -hmm. Now I, with my empathy, I just go, oh, they're just <laughs> bowed to the wrong idol. They're just bowed to something that is either out of their control mm -hmm. or uh, an enemy tactic. And then how, how did you shift it? So, I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, once you It was almost you know immediate. It, like, it seemed like it. It was, oh, man. It really was almost immediate. I, I thought, whoa. First off, tame my tongue. Mm. Right. And be really mindful of the things that you're saying. This is where we know we're supposed to be mm. better listeners than we are speakers. Mm -hmm. Tame my tongue was one. And then two, if out of the heart your mouth speaks, 
then I need to be constantly putting in. This is why people talk about affirmations and gratitude practices. Mm -hmm. They're not wrong. This is very applicable and critical. And so what is the, what is it that you're simmering on? If you're simmering on your negative emotion, then why in the world would you stand up to do something that is a positive action? Right. And so we've got to we've got to create that momentum in our life of positivity and of of movement. And so I don't I don't ever want to be caught in the cesspool that's growing all of the you know jargon yes. and mess. Mm -hmm. I'm I am in moving water all the time. So I love the ocean. Mm. I, I never feel fear next to the ocean. I feel inv invited mm -hmm. invited into that expression of chaos. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world that is not calm, and yet we have the ability with our emotions, if we can get them in check, to remain calm, which is to be still and to rest, even when we feel all of those heavy emotions. So who 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 do you lean on, or what's a? It's a personal question. More yeah. than, You know, uh, who do you lean on, or how do you yeah. personally? deal with it because I think sometimes people think it's got to be uh, a long struggle in order to do something when sometimes it can be j yeah. the realization can be fast and the anecdote to it can be equally fast but what what do you how do you personally move throughout once you're aware of it how yeah. do you move into self-management to get rid of it yeah I think there's uh, I think there's always a research element and I think we should constantly be learning and researching not only ourselves but what does someone else who's gone before me say about it. And so I think that's why I'm such an advocate for learning and, and resourcing podcasts and resourcing books and resourcing pastors and um, also tuning into what the people that I trust the most around me say. Mm -hmm. My husband is like such a steadfast human soul. I just love him so much, but he is also my biggest business mentor. And he's gone before me in his own entrepreneurial endeavors about seven years. And so specifically when it comes to business, which is where my biggest um, ailing point would be of being rocked. Mm. Because when you're in the marketplace, not everyone has the same belief systems mm -hmm. that I do. And I have um, been affected by shiny light syndrome, right? Like I love disco balls. And so I'm like, let's go there. That sounds fun. Let's do this. Let's dance. And I, I have to laser that focus in. And him being that steadfast, anytime something wild happens, like this year I, I dealt with financial issues I've never had. I dealt with... Um, lawyer and like um issues i've never mm -hmm. experienced the that side of business i dealt like the legality side i had never dealt with um oh some team development issues mm -hmm. that have happened where i've lost team members because they've gone off to start their own businesses which is i i now realize i didn't lose them i launched them yes. language yes. right either lack mentality or and so now i'm counting how many businesses i've launched mm. rather than how many employees have left yes, big it's difference. huge difference um so I, I go to him and and I realize that my problems and the way that I perceive things always comes back to that that kick up his feet, what you're passionate about question. He says now he smirks when something mm. hard happens to me and I'm like weary and frustrated and I want to like give me a right answer. Right. Tell me what to do. Fix my problem. And he just looks at me, he smirks and he says, good. Because if we are called to serve mm. people and we're not willing to go through the fire first, then what are we actually doing? And that stagnancy will keep the people who are you're, you're leading, who are following you, away from the same fire. And that is blocking not only your blessing, it's blocking, blocking their blessing and the legacy connected to who they are. Mm. So I now, in the essence of play, and I say now, I mean, this is conversations that happened last week, mm. right? It's a constant now. Mm -hmm. It's always yes. becoming. I am like, okay, there's a fire. 
what is my lens on this fire? It could be negative or it could be an opportunity. And if there's a fourth man in the fire, I'm going in, right? <laughs> That's right. So let's, let's run. That's but awesome. it's a process. I think if anybody ever says that they've figured it out, mm -hmm. I want to sit at their feet. And I just think learning. I'm constantly willing to learn, mm -hmm. which is, again, an action word. Yes, action. What is, speaking of action, what's next for for you, for your business, yeah. you writing another book or wrote another book? I am. I'm in the process of actually co-authoring a book with my mm. husband um, called The Alabaster Jar. Wow. And it's been essentially just about what it looks like to pour out your entire life <laughs> and for it to be replenished, replenished supernaturally in all chasms of health, <laughs> physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Um, we live a life called Lights on Love. And <laughs> that's like the most intimate space you can be with someone is just like lights on. And um, I want more people to live that kind of life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited about that one because my husband is not one for the stage. He's still never been on my podcast six years later. Um, I make him maybe sometimes go on stage. I may, gotta, yeah. He's got to come on to talk yeah. about the book. It, well, he's, he won't even. He won't even say it's okay. co-authored. Oh. He's, he's like, can you just put your Ghost name writer. in it? Yes. <laughs> he's hilarious, which I love him for his humility because it truly is not false humility. Um, but the other thing is we started a nonprofit. Hmm. Um, this past year associated to the way that we serve marketplace ministers. And we've been doing a weekly, essentially mobilized church for entrepreneurs. Wow. And so that has me mind blown by the Lord. Explain, and explain to me, explain yeah, to me what, what that is. You're like, you need this, you need this, come, you need this. So we gather every Wednesday, <laughs> midweek, noon. Wow. Um, you know, it's a, not a checkbox because it's something you have to be very intentional about and nobody else is going <laughs> to hold you accountable to that lunch hour except for you. Um, and all the people that now know that you should yes. be there. Uh, but it's it's co-run by a multitude of pastors, specifically me and another pastor. And the microphone is everyone's. <laughs> and it's a common table for communion. It's how I really believe the church is supposed to operate. Mm -hmm. um, the pulpit has kind of gotten out of place in a lot of places. Um, and while we're still guide, guiding and we still have um, that uh, an essence of spiritual wisdom there are so many more people who have wisdom in areas I have never touched and yeah. you know had placement for. And so we allow people to come and share true entrepreneurial issues. Mm -hmm. um, it could be personal as well, but it's team dynamics, it's leadership problems, it's financial flow, it's all of these conversations that we should be mm -hmm. having all, all the time, but we don't really have a safe space to do it. Wow. And so we've been doing that since January of this year. And just to see the fruit that's come mm. from the people, um, it's a true, like my truest honor that's of wild. all the things that I'm working on right now. That's awesome. Yeah. How can people find more about you or from you or follow yeah. you or where, where do they I go? I hang out on Instagram probably most. Okay. And I am um, in my DMs there the most as well. Mm. We've got all the websites, Tamara.andress.com. Um, Fit and Faith Media is my actual comp, uh, for-profit and then Founder Collective is our nonprofit. And what does um, what does Fit and Faith ah. mean? So Fit and Faith was where all of that business, that one mm. that I mentioned about the Proverbs 31 women yes. that came to okay. that table, I immediately had started uh, my podcast at that point, mm. which is called Fit and Faith. And it was what my book was supposed to be called until God wrecked it at the very last wow. chapter. Thanks, Lord. Um, <laughs> I wanted it to all be like in symmetry because Fit and Faith means so much to me because I was physically fit my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I had no essence of spiritual fitness, mental mm. fitness, emotional fitness, 
all of fit every other health element mm-hmm. that you could have. And so when I went on that exploration journey, I just wanted to start a podcast to have uh, curious questions and ask other people who I felt like had done it and had walked through something that I wanted to learn from. So that was through my podcast is where I learned how to walk with a spirit of desired conviction because every conversation we would pray before and I would just ask the Holy Spirit, God, show me a way that I can become, show me a way that I can become more fit in who I'm meant to be. And that's actually one of the reasons I stopped drinking like four and a half years mm-hmm. ago was a podcast conversation that then God wink later that afternoon, my my son asked me a question and it was associated to the wine that I was drinking <laughs> and selling. So I stopped drinking wine while I was also a wine sales rep. So like, <laughs> you know, God will have you do crazy things. Um, but as Fit and Faith Emerge, it now is an acronym and FIT stands for Founders, Innovators, and Trailblazers. Wow. All all of which have um, biblical context mm-hmm. because we're found in him, which is Ephesians 2.19. Mm-hmm. Um, our innovation is the the essence of our creativity, which is us being of his creation. And Trailblazers is uh, all the pioneers that are out there doing what God's called That's them to amazing. do. That's amazing. That's why I ask you one one last question because you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you, you said you walk, you walk in the spirit of... Desired conviction. Desired conviction. Yeah. And what what does that mean? It means I want to be better. Mm. It means that I know I'm not whole. It means that I know that I'm still broken and imperfect and in Christian context, still a sinner. And yet I don't have to live by that identity. Mm. I get to walk in freedom. I can walk in holiness. I am covered in righteousness. And so where in my flesh do I need to become better so I can match who I am in my spirit? It's been an absolute honor. Desired conviction. Uh, before you go, we're starting a trend. Oh, yeah. On this table, it mimics my suitcase, which has stickers on it from everywhere. Let's but go. everyone that comes can find a spot on the table to put your autograph or a saying, and then you place it anywhere. I'm going to do it. This you, is fun. Your own desired conviction. That's totally. What? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to write that exactly. Desire conviction. All right. Find your spot. Got it. Right there. Right here. Perfect. Don't go live until you've asked the question. That's what are you, it. How are you going to change today? Yeah. How are you going to change today? Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, and until so next fun. time, always ride the wave of life and always play big.